0: Going into this weekend, if you had told me the hero of my weekend was going to be John Shaft, I would not have believed you. Listen, this kid Shaft is a bad mother, I'm done, my Shaft. fam, welcome to another episode of Stay Watching Mondays at the Movies. Once again, I'm your host, Larry McAllister II, and I am back to share some spoiler-free reviews for four movies that I saw this week slash weekend, uh, and I was like 50-50 on this week's movies. Um, as you, if you've been listening, if you've been following around last week was a bit rough, uh, at the movies, but this week I found a couple of gems that I actually kind of enjoyed. Uh, and so I'm going to be sharing with you my thoughts on the movies. All is true. Men in black international, the perfection and shaft. So stay tuned. So the first movie that I want to talk about, uh, for this week's Mondays at the movie is, is all is true, uh, which is a new film directed by Kenneth Branagh. Uh, and I guess it's actually been out for a couple of weeks now, but I hadn't really heard anything about it. Uh, and I saw that it was playing at my local theater. So I thought, why not go and check it out? And basically this film is about Shakespeare and it it's looking at, uh, basically his return home after the fire that burned down the globe theater. Uh, and it's really taking us through, um, his life following that kind of fateful moment. Uh, and his, you know, although he was a famous playwright, him finding himself as a stranger to his own family and a guest in his own home. And, you know, what does that look like? And I actually thought this was a, a pretty good movie. I, I thought it was really uh, enjoyable as much as something involving Kenneth Bronick and Shakespeare can be. Um, when I saw that combo, I got a little bit nervous uh, just because I I don't know how to explain it, but like you know, with Kenneth Branagh, I always like it's just there's something about him that always gets me uh, a little nervous, especially when it comes to Shakespeare, because he's one of those people that that tends to act like he has kind of a better sense of Shakespeare than than pretty much everybody else, and and maybe that's just a little bit of conjecture from my end, but that's something that I've definitely gotten from. Uh, his interpretations of Shakespeare's work. Um, And so in this film, he actually, not only is he directing it, but he is also playing Shakespeare. uh, And uh, along with uh, Judi Dench, who is playing uh, Shakespeare's wife, uh, Anne Hathaway, uh, and a performance by Ian McKellen, who he's not in much of the movie, but he is in a very, very good scene uh, within it. And, You know, overall, I thought the performances were solid. I thought it was an enjoyable, though fictionalized, look at the life of Shakespeare and the life uh, in the years after kind of his, you know, prolific writing and directing career. And so, um, you know, being able to take a look at this man, um, you know, whether this is, you know, what not sure how much of this is true or not but really looking at that period in his life where you know he's really confronting you know his mortality his work and its meaning and its impact uh, his family and you know a few other things um, that I don't really want to spoil because I think they actually help add to the drama of the film so I'm not really going to talk too deeply about them but I thought they did a really good job of kind of mixing in all of these different elements. Um, one of the things that that I wanted to see a little bit more of, uh, there is this point in this film where they work in this really kind of great moment from one of Shakespeare's plays uh, into the narrative, but they only really do it like once or twice. Um, and I felt like it could have been an interesting approach to Telling more of the story that way. You know, it's just the way that it was done, it was so stylish and worked so well. And where it falls in the movie, I I thought we were going to get a little bit more of it, but we didn't. Um, You know, so that was a little bit disappointing. But I mean, overall, like the direction of the film was great. I was a really big fan of the cinematography. I thought a lot of the shots looked really beautiful. They told a lot of story through, you know, characters' position in frame and, you know, just the way that things were moving, uh, you know, lighting, everything was just like so well done. And, you know, when the actors were acting but not speaking, the camera did a lot of that work for us and told a lot of the story that needed to be told. So I thought there was was a lot to, to be enjoyed there. Um, so really, you know, what I would say is if you are a big fan of, of Shakespeare or, you know, you want to see, you know, kind of a period drama um, that isn't too, too long, I mean, it's still like an hour and 40 minutes, but um I thought they did a really good job of telling the story and keeping it contained without making it feel overly long. I, I actually thought the pacing was was really nice on this film. Um and, you know, I, I would really because I, I don't again, I don't think a lot of people are seeing this film, and I'd be really interested to hear what other people think about it. Um I thoroughly enjoyed it, but you know, again, I know it's not gonna be for everybody. Much like almost every movie that I'm gonna talk about this week, I, I think there's there are going to be audiences that are going to be able to either enjoy or not enjoy all of the films that I'm going to mention. Um, for me, the ones that worked worked for me on a, on very specific levels. Um, but I also know that, you know, there might be things that take other folks out of those films. So the f- second film that I'm going to talk about this week is men in black international. and th- And this is definitely one of those films that I can see audiences being somewhat divided on. So this newest entry in the Men in Black franchise is directed by F Gary Gray who uh was also the director of Straight Out of Compton. Um he's a pretty good director, but I feel like he was wasted a bit on this film. And and again, like he's not like necessarily a perfect director. Uh, I know, you know, so his work kind of has is of varying quality. Um but in this uh, addition to the men in black franchise, it is more or less more of the same. So it's men in black, but this time it's international. And what we mean by international is we go to London, we go to the Eiffel tower and Marrakesh, and that's pretty much it. Um, You know, realistically, I, I guess I should back up just in case you've never seen a men in black movie or don't know who the men in black are essentially the men in black are an organization that is somewhat like the FBI or CIA and their duty is to basically monitor alien activity and intervene when aliens are committing crime and things like that. Uh, so they protect the world in many cases. Uh and you know, back in the '90s, we got a really great film starring Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. Um, I say really great. It's been a little while since I've watched it, but I'm imagining that it still holds up somewhat. Um, I know it also it has one of the best Vincent D'Onofrio performances I've ever seen. So I, I think that that movie is probably still pretty good, even though it's been a little bit uh, of time. But I mean, what really made that movie work was kind of the interplay between Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. And so, you know, Will Smith kind of being this super cop who is also street smart, uh, Tommy Lee Jones being this super nonchalant about all the weird stuff he's seeing, you know, men in black agent, and just kind of the way that this super straight laced guy um, and this, you know, off the wall, off the cuff, you know, street dude kind of bounce off of each other was really, really engaging and intriguing. We don't get that in men in black international. So this film stars Tessa Thompson, um, as well as Chris Hemsworth and you know, both of them are good Actors. I like them a lot. I thought they had a lot of great chemistry in Thor Ragnarok. But we don't get any of that magic here. Any of the humor that was really enjoyable between those two and their supporting cast in that film just doesn't exist here. And I don't know if it's the source material or how they chose to write the characters, but neither of them really, you know, they their their personalities don't really clash in this way that makes for it being an interesting, you know, combination of characters. Um, honestly, like I felt that the film was very blah. Um, you know, not that it's bad because I think it's a competent, you know, action adventure film, um, a little bit lighter on some of the comedy stuff. Like the comedy exists in it, but like, it's not as in your face. Um, it's a little bit more subtle, uh, Kumail Nanjiani's little alien character that appears in the film is, is definitely there to punch up the comedy. And I wouldn't be surprised if they edited in more bits with him just to make sure that there was a, you know, a few more laughs that they could ring out of audiences. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it left me wanting a lot more, especially given that Men in Black is a pretty rich universe and there's a lot of places to go, especially when you have aliens who can do anything or be anyone. Um, it just seemed like they played it really safe. A lot of what we saw was similar to previous Men in Black films, a lot of retreading that same kind of territory. Um, The other thing that I I was kind of let down by were the villains of this film. Uh, So in a lot of the previous men in black films, they're, they're very, the villains that we've had were very charismatic and very interesting, intriguing, weird off the wall kind of characters. And in this film, we have very stoic, very to the point, we have one mission and one mission only kind of villains, um, you know, or, or antagonists if you will. And I, they just didn't quite work for me. you know, again, it's, it's men in black. You have this opportunity to do something off the wall, fun and engaging, and they just missed that mark completely. And again, like I know some people are going to watch this film and they're going to thoroughly enjoy it. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't enjoy it, but for me, it left me wanting a lot more, um, both from the performances and from the overall story that was being told. Um, you know, I, I love the men in black, but you know, maybe it's time to hang it up. Maybe it's time to find a new series. Um, I was watching something today that, that really spoke about the men in black in, in reference to when that film came out in the 90s, almost being like the replacement for the Ghostbusters, like it was the 90s version of the Ghostbusters, uh, and I feel like we're we're still kind of hunting for that thing uh, for for this generation, and we haven't quite found it yet. Um, not saying that we necessarily need it. Uh, but at the same time, I think it would be interesting to find something that, that really fills that gap. So the next film that I'm going to go into was probably the toughest watch for me this weekend. Um, and, uh, I, I did a little bit of reading afterwards because, you know, I had heard a little bit of, buzz about it, not necessarily positive, but uh, was kind of interested in going back and hearing what other folks thought about it. Uh, But that film is uh, the Netflix original movie, uh, The Perfection, directed by Richard Shepard. And this is one of those films that uh, it's kind of, it's kind of tough. Like they want to do something very specific, very jarring. They want to make you uncomfortable and they succeed in doing so yet at the same time, that discomfort, that, that feeling of, of uncomfortableness doesn't feel rewarding like it does in some films, uh, or, or some stories. So Basically, the the premise of this film is that following the death of her sick mother, whom she cared for over the last uh, decade or so, a former musical prodigy played by Alison Williams, who you might know from Girls or as the the girlfriend in Get Out, Aims to kind of claw her way back into the good graces of her former music coach and remove the new star, the new star being played by Logan Browning, who you would know from uh, Dear White People, the TV show. Um, But everything isn't quite as it seems. And, you know, when I say that, there's. They do a lot of things to kind of trick you into thinking what type of movie this is going to be. And then they twist that around and turn it on its head, and then they do something else, and then they twist it around and turn it on its head. And I know, I, I know, I'm, I said I was going to be spoiler free with this, but you know, I, I can't talk about this movie without mentioning the fact that there are these twists in it, uh, and the fact that what the film is actually about. Uh, though you might be able to guess, and you know, if you're listening to this now, the, the film has been up on Netflix for, I guess a month now or so. So you probably have read something or seen something that's really talking about what it's about. Um, they, they don't really reveal what the film is truly about or what the actions taking place in the film are about. And then until the the third act and realistically, you know, it's, it's I guess it's the last 20 minutes or so of an hour and a half film. Um, so while it definitely ticks that box for me where it's not too long, um, there are portions of it that that just drag on and on. And it's not it wasn't necessarily enjoyable, um, I, quite the opposite. I, I think it's a very hard film to watch, especially because of the themes and some of the things that they do. Um, there is some interesting gross out horror within it, though. I wouldn't really call this a horror movie. It's, it's much more of a thriller. Um, but because of the way that it's set up, like you, you, it kind of tricks you into thinking that it's a horror film. And, you know, I I think that's like the plus that I would give it, uh, but the ultimate, like conceit of the whole film, um, you know, while interesting, I don't think it stuck the landing and I feel like it, um, I, I think it started to kind of pat itself on the back a little bit, you know, looking at the the moment that we're in and what it was trying to say. And, I don't know. I I feel like personally there was a better way to tell that story. Uh but I could be wrong. And I again, I'd be really interested for people who have seen that movie to hear what their thoughts on that kind of section that reveal were. Um and the other thing that I would say is if you do plan on watching it, you know, just be aware, you know, like just any sort of trigger warning that you would want, uh, just imagine it is there. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of imagery that is, is pretty graphic and, you know, could be, could be scarring or could unearth some feelings that people have. So, um, just something to keep in mind. And the other thing that I will say about it is it, it really made me want to revisit a film that I, I also struggled with in a, in a similar kind of way. Uh, Nicholas winding Refn's the neon demon. Um, and so, you know, it, if anything, while I may this may not have been my favorite film, it made me really want to go back and rewatch that and, and recontextualize some of the, Critique that I had for that film when I watched it. So um, hopefully that's still on Amazon Prime, because you know, even though it's a a long one and there's a lot of stuff that I found, I I guess, you know, for lack of a better word, problematic about it, I am interested in kind of revisiting it and thinking about it within the with the context of the perfection in mind. So the last film that I'm going to talk about today is Chef. Uh, directed by Tim story. Uh, so in this new version of Shaft, uh, we have John Shaft Jr. who's played by Jesse T. Usher, who enlists the help of his estranged father, John Shaft, played by Samuel L. Jackson, um, and he puts his FBI data analyst job on the line when his friend turns up dead in Harlem. And so that's basically your setup for the film. That's your premise for the film. Um, I had no idea what to expect from this film. Um, growing up, I watched the first shaft film with my father. I, you know, got kind of into the black exploitation films of the age, I mean, You know, it was between that, between Bruce Lee films and other kung fu movies, between you know the '70s, '80s, you know, science fiction films that were out. You know, I watched a lot of that stuff with my dad. So this, uh, for me, slotted in kind of nicely with that. You know, looking at the film, looking at its construction, um, and thinking about its release date, like it's very clearly supposed to be like this Father Father's Day film uh, fathers and sons who can enjoy R rated films together. Uh, and I, you know, again, I did not expect to enjoy this. Um, even though I hadn't been reading any reviews on it, like I saw that it was pretty much getting panned. Uh, there were really no audience reactions to it. So, you know, it was pretty clear that not a lot of people are going to see this. I it's, it's coming out at a really weird time, uh, for a lot of people I imagine. Uh, Shaft has been kind of out of the zeitgeist for a pretty long time. Uh, But, you know, it it is what it is. You know, we we saw something like Superfly coming back. um, Was that a year ago or so? So, you know, there is room for these stories to be made and to come out. And uh, I... I know that this film isn't for any, everybody, you know, most of my audience that's listening to this, I would probably say, do not go see this movie. You probably won't enjoy it. You'll probably be, you know, turned off by a lot of what happens in it. Um, You know, again, like critics, they didn't love this movie. And a lot of that is probably because it's, it's, it can be crass. It can be politically incorrect. It's, it's kind of dumb. But at the same time as it's all of those things, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, and I think that's something that's kind of missing in a lot of films. Like this does not take itself too seriously. Uh, and when I say that it's like, it knows that, like, it knows that the older shaft, uh, in this film, Samuel Jackson is a caricature of this, you know, type of black masculinity that, some people are going to see and they're going to laugh at, they're going to enjoy, they're going to be like, he's right. But it's definitely kind of an indictment of that too. Um, while at the same time, you know, I know some people are going to say, well, it doesn't go far enough in indicting that. And so I think that's, that's the thing that's kind of interesting about it. It's like, you know, it's definitely, it's definitely not right. Uh, if that's, if that's how I would put it, like it's, it's definitely wrong. Like it's, it's a film that does things wrong, that says things the wrong way, says them in a way that it's inappropriate, but it, but it feels real. Like, I mean, listening to the way that the older shaft talks, it really reminds me of some of my older male relatives. And you know, there is that kind of age demographic difference that I found really interesting about how they had the two characters play off of one another. And so there is kind of that experience. There is that, you know, challenging of, you know, traditional notions of masculinity, uh, challenges, uh, towards new ideas of masculinity challenges towards, you know, blackness and you know, it has all of these conversations in a humorous way. And, you know, again, it doesn't get super deep into them because it's not, that's not what this film is here for. But the fact that they're able to kind of, you know, in a sense, poke fun at these conversations that are held generationally, um, I think is, is really interesting and is a strength of the film. I thought it was, you know, again, I thought it was a lot of fun. I loved some of the action sequences that were in it. I found myself laughing more than I've laughed at the movies for, you know, a while. Um, you know, for me so far, it's probably the second funniest movie that I've seen this year after book smart. Um, so it's, it, it's kind of tough in that way because, you know, again, like I know this film isn't going to be for everybody. I know some people are going to be turned off by it, uh, by some of the humor in it, uh, by some of the jokes that are made, um, you know, because, you know, some of the, some of the humor might come across as misogynist, uh, which is called out in the film, which I, which I think is really, really appropriate. Um, You know, there, there's a lot of that kind of you know, again, like, like I said, it's, it's challenging some of these older notions of masculinity, particularly black masculinity and the fact that it is actually able to, you know, kind of say, Hey, you know, what are you doing? Like, we love Shaft, but like this stuff is kind of problematic today. Um, And, you know, while he is still this kind of cool character his situation is kind of fucked and he fucks up his situation a lot. And and I thought that was something that came through pretty loud and clear in the film. Um, You know, especially thanks to Regina Hall's character who I just really want to just shout out that Regina Hall is amazing. I'm glad that we've been getting a lot more of her recently Uh, she's a fantastic, funny actress, and I, I hope we get to see a lot more of her in films for years to come. Uh, she hands down has the funniest scene in this movie, uh, you know, just her, her reactions are continually priceless. So yeah, so that does it for our movies this week at Mondays at the movies. I I guess I should say, you know, again, let me reiterate. Most of you probably will not enjoy Shaft. Uh, but if you've liked previous Shaft movies, uh, or you like, you know, kind of crass action comedies, this one might be for you. So that's a wrap on another Mondays at the Movies. Um, what are your thoughts? Have you seen any of these films? Hit me up at LarryTron pretty much everywhere on social media. If you want to send me an email instead, send it to Larry at LM2Photo.com. The next episode of the podcast is going to be kind of a return to form. The old style of LM2 Talks is going to make a brief appearance in the podcast, uh, window, uh, or the new podcast window, I should say. Uh, and I'm going to be doing a solo episode, sharing my thoughts on kind of what are the things that I am watching right now and why I am watching them. Um, I think this is going to be a pretty fun one. What I'm thinking I'm going to do is maybe mix in one of these episodes every, you know, every few, maybe every five to 10 episodes, uh, just so I can kind of update you on what I'm watching or reading or, you know, playing if it's a video game, um, and just kind of, you know, what some of those basic thoughts are on those things. It's not necessarily going to be review style. This is going to be more like the old style of LM2 talks where I'm going to get into Hey, like I'm playing God of war right now. And I love it because this is how it's tackling masculinity and talk a bit about that or, you know, whatever it may be. So look forward to that. Uh, that's going to be coming out in the next week. Uh, I also am going to have an episode coming up about sports, why we love them, why we get into them and kind of everything about kind of that entertainment, that joy that we get from watching people compete. Um, And on top of that, we're also going to have an episode about, uh, the depiction of masculinity in Jane, the Virgin, that's going to be coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, as soon as I get that recorded with my friend, uh, and as soon as the season ends, uh, I actually thought it was going to be ending a little bit sooner than it did. Uh, but as soon as that happens, uh, we will talk about it. And if you've missed the last few episodes, uh, you might have missed that. I am now a part of the hard knock media collective, uh, which is basically all of the podcasts and multimedia productions from the nerds of color, uh, who are basically the, you know, the, the, People who talk about all things nerdy through the perspective of people of color. Uh, so it's a really great community to be in. There's a lot of great shows. Um, and you know, as I go forward, you know, I'm going to be trying to highlight different shows uh, throughout. Um, you know, in each of my episodes. Uh, but, you know, again, in case you haven't checked any of them out, if you head over to hard nocmedia.com. You can see what podcasts they have there. Uh, There are some pretty cool ones like hard knock life, which is basically the flagship podcast for the nerds of color. There's Southern Fried Asian that looks like that looks at the experiences of Asian Americans in the South uh, Southern United States. Uh, There's also stuff like DC TV classics that looks at the history of uh, DC's television uh, in like the seventies and eighties. So, Uh, lots of really cool stuff that you can check out there. Like I said, I'm going to be highlighting more of the podcasts that they have on there as I kind of get, you know, more into the flow of some of my other episodes this summer. So definitely check that out. Give them some support, hardnocmedia.com. And, uh, if you can do me a favor, make sure that you like this podcast. If you are on a service that allows you to like it, Uh, subscribe. If you're not subscribed already, leave me a rating and review Uh, that helps out a lot because what that does is it lets other people know that this podcast exists and hopefully helps them find it. So if you can do those things for me, I would be super, super appreciative. So as always, fam, it's been great. I'm going to talk to you again soon. Peace.